And it is time for your morning Bible study with Matt. And today we're going to actually dig into Matthew chapter 11. We're going to talk about the weight ugh, that religion puts on people's head and how Jesus actually spoke about getting rid of that weight. So that's what we're going to dig into. And we're going to count it down in 10 seconds, starting now. Good morning, Facebook friends. Thanks for tuning in to Bible Study Live with Matt. Hey, today we're digging into Matthew 11. I uh, want to remind you guys, if you're on the facebook.com forward slash one moment away page, I can see your comments uh, going live. If not, I can't, but I will make sure to answer them after we're done. So today I want to dig into something um, that's near and dear to my heart, and that is how just heavy the weight of religion is. A lot of people don't want to go to a church, and if I'm being honest, I don't blame them. Um, a lot of times people uh, have had a bad experience, either with church or with people that walk around uh, touting the name Christian or people going out and doing just horrific stuff and uh, saying they're doing it in Jesus' name or God wants me to do this. And then they go out and do something horrible. And uh, uh, that's a, a super big turnoff. And one of the things, if you ever read the scriptures and you learn about Jesus, one of the things you'll find is he met people where they were all the time. He got accused of being a criminal. I mean, when they went to take him to the cross, uh, you know, he, he was uh, with a couple guys. One of them lops off uh, uh, one of the guard's ears. Uh, before that, he's eating dinner with tax collectors and, and, quote, known sinners, as the Pharisees called them, the religious people called them. Uh, and it's interesting because his response to some of those situations are, are so different than what we see from folks who go to church today or call themselves Christians today. So we're going to dig in on that stuff this morning really quick. I just have to share this out to one group and then we are gonna get rolling on this. So thank you so much uh, for watching it, whether you watch it live or watch it after the fact. I appreciate you. So a couple things that I want to point out. Um, if you're not already a, a subscriber, you can go over to youtube.com forward slash Jesus way. You can subscribe there if you prefer YouTube. Um, if you got a prayer need or something like that, head over to besaltandlight.church. You can drop uh, a request in there. Uh, if you've got a topic, something you want to wrestle with, feel free to send an email to Matt at besaltandlight.church and I'll address there. And that's all the fun stuff we're going to cover about that. So today I want to read from Matthew 11 with you, but I want to set the stage here. So Jesus had been uh, going around preaching and some places just hadn't really been that welcoming. Uh, some places just uh, were horrible toward him. So I, I'm going to walk you kind of through a little bit of the scripture that we're digging into this morning uh, as we read through Matthew chapter 11. And some of it doesn't sound super pleasant, but I want to set the stage here. Because oftentimes I hear churches read the things that I'm talking about here and how people just didn't want to listen to Jesus. And, and they'll use that as an excuse to just act uh, like a jerk to people who don't yet believe in God. And the interesting thing that uh, oftentimes we neglect when we read through these scriptures is that Jesus wasn't talking so much about the people who didn't know God. He was talking to uh, Jewish communities, people who... who you know, they gave their sacrifices each week and they did all the religious things. So when we read through the scriptures, oftentimes we're really, when we see Jesus getting upset and frustrated, 
it isn't with the people who don't claim to know God. It's oftentimes with the people who walk around super proud because they say they do. So as I read some of this, I'm gonna I'm gonna stop after some of this just as reminders, depending on when somebody's tuning in, because uh, I want people to hear and understand who Jesus is speaking to. So I'm gonna go ahead and share my screen with you guys, and uh, and we're gonna pick up right here on Matthew chapter 11. By the way, I'm reading from uh, Eugene Peterson's translation paraphrase called the Message. I think it's just a beautiful read, and he really stays close to the original text and and making sure he. Uh, brings the meaning out. So we'll start with verse one. It uh, says, when Jesus finished placing this charge before his 12 disciples, he went on to teach and preach in their villages. So think the hometowns of the guys that are walking with him. And now um, it says, John, meanwhile, had been locked up in prison. This is John the Baptist, Jesus' cousin, John the Baptizer, the guy that uh, was dressed in camel hair and eating bugs in the woods that people thought was a little nutty, but also recognized him as a prophet. So um, it says, John, meanwhile, had been locked up in prison. If you don't know the story behind this, uh, John went to Herod, who was, you know, a big, big religious leader. Uh, and Herod had taken the wife of his brother. Uh, her name is Herodias. Uh, Herod had locked John up in prison. Um, he later goes and takes his head. I mean, it's a pretty gross and nasty story, if you look at it, because John basically called him an adulterer. That's why, you know, he was locked up. And uh, that's ultimately why he ends up losing his head. So John's locked up in prison, and it says, when he got wind of what Jesus was doing, he sent his own disciples to ask, are you the one we've been expecting, or are we still waiting? To be fair, uh, nobody, there are a lot of different uh, reasons John could have asked this question. Could be because he wanted his own disciples to hear Jesus say, I'm the one. Uh, it could have been because John, you know, being locked up in prison, had the same mindset as a lot of people. A lot of people thought that when the Messiah came, he was going to, you know, take down Rome uh, and, you know, just be this physical conqueror. And uh, Jesus wasn't doing that. So, uh, you know, maybe even his own cousin was like, man, I've been preaching that you're the guy, but I just want to double check. Are you the guy? So we don't know exactly why the question was asked, but we do know how Jesus responded. In verse four, it says this, Jesus told them, go back and tell John what's going on. The blind see, the lame walk, the lepers are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, the wretched of the earth learn that God is on their side. Pause. Oh, it says, is this what you were expecting? Then count yourselves most blessed. So let's pause right there. So he says, go back and tell him what's going on. What he's doing is he's quoting stuff from Tanakh, right? What we call the Old Testament, which is, uh, you know, Torah, the Pentateuch, and then the rest. But he, he's actually sharing all the signs that John and other religious scholars would have recognized as these are the things you're going to see when Messiah comes, right? And what have you been seeing? And if this is what you were expecting, if you were truly reading the Old Testament, well, they wouldn't call it the Old Testament. They would just call it the scriptures. Jesus was basically saying, if you've truly been understanding the scriptures and what it says about Messiah coming, then you'd recognize and you would know the answer to that question. In a word, Jesus was basically going, yep, I'm here. So let's keep going. Verse seven says this, when John's disciples left to report, and by the way, imagine how discouraging it must be, right? If you're, if you're John, you're Jesus's cousin, you're locked up in prison and, uh, you know, your cousin is the Messiah. He's got, you know, uh, God's ear, right? Like he, and, and you're locked away suffering. Like how discouraging might that be? And that's an important part of what we're digging into today is when you think about this is someone close to Jesus and he's locked away in prison later to be beheaded. Oof, ow, ick, right? So he said to his guys to go like, are you the one? Jesus is like, hey, if you've been paying attention to the scriptures, 
You know the answer, right? I'm the guy. But Jesus goes on, and this is pretty, I think, pretty fascinating, the way that this goes. When John's disciples left to report, so think of them walking away, right? They're walking off, and it says this, Jesus started talking to the crowd about John. Now, this is, I, I heard somebody bring this perspective, and I thought it was a really good one. Jesus, their perspective was Jesus started sharing this while they were still within earshot so that when they went back to talk to John, they would take this with them too. So here we go. It says this, Jesus started talking to the crowd about John. What did you expect when you went out to see him in the wild? A weekend camper? Hardly. What then? A chic in silk pajamas? Not in the wilderness. And by the way, obviously not the original words, but it's painting the picture so we get it in modern language. Not by a long shot. What then? A prophet? Yeah, that's right. A prophet. Probably the best prophet you'll ever hear. He's the prophet that Malachi announced when he wrote, I'm sending a prophet ahead of you to make the road smooth for you. Let me tell you what's going on here. No one in history surpasses John the baptizer. But in the kingdom, he prepared for you. The lowliest person is ahead of him. Here's why I want to pause there. Jesus is recognizing John's authority as a prophet, right? People think, right, the scriptures talk about the Elijah coming before. Elijah being one of the best known prophets ever, right? So <clears throat> Jesus is recognizing John's authority as a prophet. And he's saying this to these people. This is a big deal because... Just like today, a lot of folks look at like the, you know, the, the rabbi, the pastor, uh, the Billy Graham of the world, whatever. They put them on a pedestal often and think because their gifting is teaching the word and interpreting the word, that they must be closer to God, that God must in some way favor them, right? And we tend to think like that. That's why when we see like a, a religious leader, you know, um, make a mistake and fall. Do something just stupid. We forget that they're just people with a gifting of teaching and 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 uh, interpreting God's word. Uh, and sometimes we we all like when they fall, we're like, oh, everything's fake, everything's wrong. It's like, no, 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 no. They're just a human being too. So Jesus was even addressing those kind of feelings and issues as he's talking to them right here. And when he says, "But in the kingdom prepared for you, the lowliest person is ahead of him," Jesus seems to be making the point that look the humble person who's not trying to elevate themselves is just as close to God, right? Those who, the meek, right? We, we, we see so many things in scripture about Jesus saying, first to be last, last to be first. He's trying to help us do a paradigm shift in our mind. It's not necessarily like, oh, well, since you had a good life here, yours is going to suck in the next age to come. It's more of a, hey, your life here and what you feel is your status doesn't matter there. Doesn't. But let's continue. For a long time now, people have tried to force themselves into God's kingdom. But if you read the books of the prophets and God's law closely, you will see them culminate in John, teaming up with him and preparing the way for the Messiah of the kingdom. Look at it this way. John is the Elijah you've all been expecting to arrive and introduce the Messiah. Are you listening to me? Really listening? So Jesus paints the picture. John's guys came and asked, are you the one? Jesus points to, remember the signs, you're going to know when the one is here. And then within earshot as they're walking away, he's they're, 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 if you imagine it that way, they're hearing him say, yeah, I'm the one. And John's done what he's supposed to do. That's awesome. Now, this is where you're about to hear some harsh words from Jesus. 
okay? Remember, these harsh words are being spoken to people who claim to know God, the people that consider themselves religious. And this is important this morning. So know that point as I read what you are about to hear. Jesus asks, are you listening to me? Really listening? How can I account for this generation? The people have been like spoiled children whining to their parents. We wanted to skip rope, but you were always too tired. We wanted to talk, but you were always too busy. John came fasting and they called him crazy. I came feasting and they call me a boozer, a friend of the misfits. Opinion polls don't count for much, do they? The proof is in the pudding, uh, the pudding's in the eating. That's a great paraphrase to make it make sense for now. Basically, Jesus is saying, all these religious people are whining toward like, ah, oh, when's God going to do what we've been waiting for? Oh, when's, gonna, when's God going to listen to me? When's God going to pay attention to me? So John came following all the religious law. He came fasting, right? Like he came um, with, uh, withdrawing from all the worldly things, not taking advantage of the joys of the world, right? He's wrapped in camel hair, living in the woods, eat, living off of bugs and honey. And they, they called him a nut job. And then Jesus comes living life in experiencing the blessings that God put out there, right? So regular dude, regular clothes, sitting down, having meals with everybody. And they, they question him because he's hanging out with people who aren't religious. So Jesus is basically saying, no matter what you guys are, you're never happy. You, you people that are focused on religion, you just don't get it. You're just not happy. Look at what the word has said. So Jesus is, he's laying into the religious, not the people who are un, what, what people call unbelievers, right? Everybody believes in something, but not everybody believes in the God of the Bible, the Hebrew God. And most of the time it's because the people that say they do, well, they sound a lot like these guys. And who would want to be part of that? Nobody in their right mind. So Jesus is basically calling out all these folks who think they got figured out and call themselves religious. Now, let's shift gears because uh, he's still gonna lay into them a little hard, uh, but then he explains, here's what it's all about and here's how to be part of the, the life God intended, the one that's good. It says, next, Jesus unleashed on the cities where he worked the hardest, but the people had responded the least shrugging their shoulders and going their own way. Doom to you, Chorazin. Doom, Bethsaida. And remember, Bethsaida is like where the pool, the guy that he's like, do you want to walk? Then get up and take your mat and go. Like, you don't need to climb in the water, man. You're here. You're good. You're healed. Believe, believe that God wants to heal you. Get up and be healed, right? So, I mean, a miracle happened there. But still, all in these, these cities full of religion, people were just like, to Jesus. It says, if Tyre and Sidon, Go just Google that and look what happened in the Bible. If they had half of the powerful miracles you had seen, they would have been on their knees in a minute. At Judgment Day, they'll get off easy compared to you. Jesus is literally saying, all you religious folks that have been uh, throwing this weight of religion around and thinking that you're going to be hanging out with God because of all of your religious BS, oh, wrong. Wrong answer. But the, I want to pause here. The beautiful thing about even though Jesus lays in, to what's going on, he's about to say, but you know what? But I haven't given up on you and here's why. So this is pretty cool. But hold on, we'll just finish the laying into. 
uh, and Capernaum, with all your peacocks strutting, you're going to end up in the abyss. If the people of Sodom, okay, Sodom and Gomorrah, like, yeah, Google that too. If they had your chances, the city would still be around. At Judgment Day, they'll get off easy compared to you. So Jesus lit in to the religious leaders. But then he says something crazy here. It says, abruptly, he broke into prayer. So he stopped. After just being obviously livid, he stops and realizes, boom, I'm going to pray. And he says, thank you, Father. And by the way, you don't see Jesus praying publicly often. Uh, if I'm not mistaken, this is one of the only times, other than this prayer on the cross, I think this is the only other time we see him uttering a prayer publicly when others are around to hear. But he says, thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth. Listen to this. You've concealed your ways from the sophisticates and the know-it-alls but spelled it out clearly to ordinary people. Yeah, Father, that's the way you like to work. What he's basically saying is, you know what? The religious people are missing the point. But the people, the regular everyday folks that are just loving you and loving the people around them, they get it. They get it. They get how they're supposed to live. But here's the cool thing too, and I just wanna back this up. He says, you've concealed your ways. <clears throat> Some people look at that as though Jesus was taking it away, like didn't want them to know. But if you understood how a rabbi taught, this is actually a pretty cool opportunity. So all the religious folks would have understood in a, in a teaching from a Jewish rabbi, there's a, they will teach often in parables or they will, they will read from the scriptures and they'll, they'll want you to go look for what's called the remez, the hidden gem in the story. There's a, there's a nugget, a secret in there, and the, the, they, they wouldn't always spell it out clearly. They would teach in a way that says, now you go find this nugget of wisdom. So when Jesus says, you've concealed your ways from the, the sophisticates and the know-it-alls, he wasn't writing them off necessarily. And, and, and again, all of it, no, none of us are standing there with him. But it seems, based on the way a rabbi would teach and based on his heart, he wasn't throwing them out. He was saying, You've concealed your ways. Those who call themselves close to you, you've given them an opportunity to figure it out. Now, if you're a religious person listening, there's one or two ways you could have responded to Jesus then. Like, oh, who is this jerk? He's nobody. Who is he to tell me? Or what is this rabbi trying to get me to find in what he just said? We can always look at stories from different perspectives. Knowing the heart of Jesus and him saying uh, that he, you know, God loved the world, that he didn't come to, that Jesus says, I didn't come to condemn. Even in this, even in lighting into the religious folks, it's, it's, it was more of a, it seems like it's more of a warning followed by an opportunity to go, listen, the way you're going about it is so wrong. You're, you think you're going the right direction. Guys, you're just, you're painting yourself into a corner. The answer is hidden, but not, unfind, not unfindable. The answer is hidden, but you can still find it, okay? Now, here's what's cool. It says, Jesus resumed talking to the people, but now tenderly. So notice the audience didn't change. So even though he lit into the folks that claimed to know it all, now look what happens. Jesus resumed talking to the people, but now tenderly. The Father has given me all these things to do and say. <laughs> this is a unique father-son operation, coming out of father and son intimacies and knowledge. 
not just about feeling, guys. There's the intimacy, the love, and the knowledge. We've got to take time to get to know what he means. No one knows the son the way the father does, nor the father the way the son does. And this is so great. Jesus says, but I'm not keeping it to myself. I'm ready to go over it line by line with anyone willing to listen. See, he's still talking to folks who aren't the religious crew and those who are. He's saying, I'm willing to wrestle with this with you if you're open to listening. Now, we're going we're gonna to wrap it all up with this because this is one of my favorite things. And I think this will speak loudly to so many people right now coming out of a rough year and a half thanks to COVID. Uh, people who have, so many people have, like during that tough time, actually opened themselves up to the possibility of, I'm going to go and open myself up to seeing who God is. And I've seen people talk about walking into a church and we've been part of them. And during a tough and confusing time when people want to feel and hear and know the love of God most, they're walking into churches every day and you know what they're hearing? Nationalism. They're hearing people try and make Jesus in America the same. It's discouraging because it's exhausting. Now, I'm not saying that those folks are wrong in how they feel, but I'm saying people are coming to try and find out like, is God even there? Does God care about me? They don't want to hear your political perspective or mine. They don't want to hear about what you hate or, or love about government crap. Notice that Jesus didn't spend time talking about that either, right? Jesus is, is preaching this in a time that Rome is, is a superpower. Well, those of us fortunate enough to live here in America, America looks a lot like the modern day version of Rome. And Jesus didn't focus on all the bad stuff Rome was doing, and they were doing a lot of it. Instead, he focused on what mattered. And I want to encourage my pastor friends out there that are listening to this, please share the love of God and Jesus from your pulpit and not your political meanderings. I want to, I want to really hone in on this last part because people need to hear this right now. And if you're watching this live uh, or you're watching it after the fact, please right now hit share because this is the point that everyone right now in this world needs to hear. Let's see what Jesus said. Are you tired, worn out, burned out on religion? Come to me, get away with me and, and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unformed, uh, excuse me, unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. This is the verse that a million of us here uh, have heard, which is, uh, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. And so often we misunderstand what that means. Listen, um, a yoke is, a, in, in those words, the word yoke being used then, there are a couple ways you could view it. One, there's the yoke, the, the wooden thing that would be put on an ox to plow the field, right? But two, two, 
is that was what a rabbi's teaching was. There were two major ones then, and I'm just gonna leave it to you to look everything up because you don't need me to tell you everything, but, but I'll give you the gist. So there were two big, kind of big major theological thoughts, two very prominent ones back then, right? And so when you would subscribe to a certain way of teaching, like maybe you go, well, I subscribe to, like I'm a Catholic or I'm a Protestant or I'm a whatever. Uh, that would be the yoke that you carry, okay? That's the yoke you carry. And Jesus was saying, look, the yoke that you carry, uh, it's, is it wearing you out? Is it, have you felt like, man, I go to church, but I don't want to invite my family and friends because I don't want, I don't want them to hear, you know, there might be this message from the pastor that is, you know, it's just so condemning or so, uh, politics based or so, or so whatever. So I'm just, I don't even want to invite people because I it's just, I think it's a heavy thing for somebody who's not ready for it. See, Jesus is, you know, everybody's ready for because it's easy. It's light. He says, I won't put anything ill-fitting or heavy on you. Jesus is saying, look, if you follow my teaching, if you follow my teaching, if you take on my yoke, the burden, there's a burden, right? What, but it's easy. What, I mean, he didn't say like everything's trouble-free, right? Because listen, when you start following the way of Jesus, sometimes people think you're nuts. I have Christian friends who, uh, I've watched some of their messages online, uh, um, some passive aggressive things, you know, talking about, oh, when people say don't fight the government, uh, you know, that's progressive Christianity. No, it's not. No, it's not. It's looking at what Jesus did and trying to copy it. There is a, a burden to carry. Some people are going to dislike you if you decide you're going to try and show love to everybody, even the people they don't like. That's a burden. But it's a lot easier than carrying the burden of trying to live up to religious standards that we can never hit. And we can't hit them because they're not real. They're not the standards God put on us. It's a lot easier to carry the burden of, well, it's still hard, but it's easier to carry the burden of trying to love people who seem unlovable than to try and find reasons to hate everybody who thinks differently than we do. That's a heavy burden. And it's a lot easier to realize that Jesus is the one who saves and that I don't have to carry the burden of trying to get people saved because he does, he did the work. And now the burden I get to carry is letting people know how much he loved them and why he did what he did. I don't know about you guys. That's a much better burden for me to carry. feels a whole lot lighter to tell people, Jesus got it done. Get to know him because he loves you. That's a way better burden to carry than thinking that I am responsible for whether or not someone lives in heaven or hell for eternity. Jesus already said he did the work. He said he came to do that. And what did he send out us to do? Go and make disciples. Make followers of me. And, and why? Because when we read this scripture, because his burden, it's easy. His yoke, rather, is easy to carry. The burden he has for us is light. That's the life of following Jesus. It's what should be the Christian life, one filled with grace, mercy, love, and redemption. If that's not the yoke you're carrying, if you've been weighed down by religion, hey, what's up, Param? If you've been weighed down by religion, if you've been just beaten down by church, I'm sorry you've experienced that. It's never what Jesus intended for us to do, ever. And he gives opportunity to all of us to look deeper into who he is and experience that. Even those who have been the uber religious and especially those who've never even given him a shot. He loves 
the world. He came here for the world. That includes you, me, and everybody in it. So don't give up on him because he never gave up on you. Check this out. If, if you want to be updated, you want to know like, hey, uh, What's going on with you going forward, Matt? What's this all about? Look, we're, um, my wife and I are really passionate about kicking off a house church ministry to help people be able to dig in and wrestle and study the Bible like this in their home. But not everybody is equipped to teach it. Uh, not everybody, it's not everybody's gifting. But a lot of people are like, but what I would do is open my house, break bread, have dinner with people, watch a little 15, 20 minute uh, teaching, and then uh, wrestle with questions with my friends in my house. If that's you and you think that's something you'd like to be part of, da, 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 Go to www.besaltandlight.church. Drop your email in there. We will let you know when we're kicking this off, and it's going to be very soon. Think of a small group conversation with a little bit of uh, a scripture breakdown beforehand and a couple questions to guide you through it, but it's just really you, your friends, your family, uh, doing what they did in Jesus' day, sharing a meal and talking about the questions that you have. It's all about creating conversation not condemnation. If that's something that you think, man, that'd be refreshing. I'd, I'd like to at least even learn more about it. Uh, go over to besaltandlight.church, drop your name and email address, and we'll send you an email update when we roll it out live. Also, I'm going to pull this up because uh, I'm starting a new thing where I'm just um, texting out like inspirational stuff. Uh, like, if you, if you just need, like, want to kick off each week with a little inspiration for the day, you're like, hey, I, I want to get a little inspiration, a little motivation uh, from God's word, um, then, uh, hey, guess what I want to do? I want to I wanna help you with that. So um, if you join that email list, you're going to get an email that tells you uh, a nifty little code that you can text in, uh, and then you can get on my uh, on my list for just getting text messages and uh, getting just weekly inspiration. I won't spam you. You won't be sold anything. None of that crap. Uh, it is literally just to... Um, trying to help you get inspired, motivated, and connect deeper with God. Listen, no matter where you're at in your business, your life, everything at all, you're just one moment away from walking a little closer with Jesus. And we are called to be salt and light to this world. So uh, if we can help you do that in any way, we'd love to. Again, if you've got any prayer requests, head over to besaltandlight.church. There's a little thing that says prayer requests here. Uh, drop it in there. Let us know. We'll be praying for you. Thanks again for tuning in, and uh, I'll see you guys tomorrow morning.